Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Charles. Enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 64 of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles, and today we've got a great one for you. So today I'm going to be sitting down with Trajan. His Twitter handle is TrajanMex. And today we're just going to be talking about his trading strategy. I've been having a lot of traders on lately, and you guys seem to really enjoy it. So I'm going to stick with that trend, try to give you as many different trading strategies as possible to try to add to your arsenal. Uh, So let's get into it. So Trajan, before we jump into your trading strategy and your styles, and we get some tips for these people... Do you think you could just give us a little bit of background on yourself, who you are, what you were doing before you found cryptocurrencies, uh, that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. Um, So a little bit about myself. I have a background in finance, Um, spent a little bit of time in uh, quant as well. I was more so in the traditional side of finance, more so on the sell side in terms of investment banking, um, corporate strategy, that sort of deal, Um, and found myself in crypto late 2017. I originally made my Coinbase account, I think, in 2015, but um, obviously didn't pull the trigger until uh, until late 2017. Um, and I, you know, at first I was very skeptical, kind of coming from that financial background. Um, I was like, okay, this is based on pure speculation. You know, the, where is the space going? Um, and as I kind of started talking to colleagues more and more, especially uh, engineering people in engineering fields, I ended up realizing that, you know, there's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of interesting technologies at play. Um, so I did kind of fall for it for the, you know, uh, came for the tech, stayed for the, stayed for the memes aspect of it. Um, but I ended up kind of, you know, delving more and more into it. I got involved in a few, uh, crypto groups early on. I thought most of them were, uh, scammers and it turned out that they were in fact scammers and, um, you know, eventually found a community and a little, uh, niche that I could, um, contribute in and started sharing my thoughts on, on Twitter. Um, Surprisingly enough, people who are contrarian often get uh, some popularity, either good or bad, uh, very early on. So that's kind of how I found myself um, posting and contributing more on Twitter. And now I just share my thoughts and continue to trade um, as a proprietary as a proprietary trader in the space. So yeah, cool, man. I, I always like to ask just because I, I want my guests to know that you have some sort of expertise and that you know you've kind of been able to apply it to what you're doing now. And you said that you worked in traditional finance before this. Uh, a lot of people, similar to a lot of people's stories, you had heard about it, uh, then you know heard about it again, and it kind of piqued your interest, and that's when you got involved. Um, and at first, it was you know maybe a more of a speculative thing, and then you kind of came to saw uh, you know the importance or what Bitcoin actually is and what it can do and its potential. So. Really quick question. It, it sounds like you are also an investor, but I like to ask this of all of my trader guests. Uh, do you hold Bitcoin long term as well on top of the trading that you do? Uh, yeah. So whatever spot exposure I can get, I, tr- I try to hold on to as well. Obviously, things kind of come up um, where you need to readjust, rebalance your portfolio. Um, so I try to take a David Swenson approach in that regard, I'm constantly rebalancing my portfolio. Um, but yeah overall very very bullish on bitcoin in the long term there we go perfect yeah it's it's funny some some people i have on they're like no i don't own any and it's uh, a little bit odd to me just because 
I believe that Bitcoin does have a future. I'm bullish on Bitcoin. Uh, so it's, it's odd to me that someone's like, no, I just, I just trade it. You know, I'm just looking for the short term gains and that's fine. It's just, uh, you know, everyone has a different strategy. Um, but okay. So you do hold some long term. You also do trade. I do want to get into kind of your trading strategy. Do you think you could give us just a very brief overview of what that strategy is? Sure thing. Yeah. So I think also, sorry, before you go on, um, you, you, we, before we hopped on the call, you were talking about split capital. Can you also talk to us about split capital? Sure. Yeah. I'll try to integrate that a little bit with my, uh, my trading strategy. So, uh, when I first started trading crypto, I, I found it a little bit odd because it's not, it doesn't trade like normal equities. There's no financial metrics. There's no, you know, there's no real past performance. Um, you know, anyone who tells you that, okay, like, let's look at 2014 data on, on, on Bitcoin price discovery and try to like map out what will happen in the future. I, you know, I don't buy that at all. Um, so it, it's, it's very interesting coming into the space because it, it is really, really new. Um, there's a lot of factors that you have to really uh, consider. Um, but still, I tried to find some sort of um, real world or traditional world finance uh, applications that, that I could uh, use, especially trading early on. So I pointed more towards uh, Daniel Kahneman and um, and Malkiel. So these are two authors. Uh, one wrote uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, and the other wrote uh, A Random Walk uh, Down Wall Street. And so through these authors, they're both behavioral finance, uh, both behavioral financiers. So um, I got a pretty good you know understanding of how kind of the psychology works in this market in specific. Um, obviously, when I first started trading uh, in this market, I was much more focused on charts and Kind of reading through technicals um, i wasn't really heavy on charts before this um, i thought that you know this is mostly a scam <laughs> it doesn't really work out well um and that's because in equities that you know it's, it's a very different ball game um, but in crypto reflexivity is pretty high so um it seemed kind of natural um and now kind of moving forward and especially with split capital um which i'll get into in a second um i've started to move more towards maybe in the last year or so a hybrid system where we're using a lot of different information uh, mostly proprietary um, to be able to interpret data and actually, you know, take some meaningful moves on on, on trends and uh, different patterns that we end up seeing. Um, and so I think you asked us a little bit earlier, you know, what is split capital? Um, so it's basically a group um, that I run right now uh, between uh, myself and a few colleagues, um, very small group. Um, and we share information uh, on a day to day basis uh, in terms of what we see in the market, um, different opportunities, um, so as of right now, it's almost like a, th- a think tank, um, and we've been able to kind of generate some pretty interesting ideas. Um, so we create ideas, we audit them, and then we try to run them in an algorithmic manner um, and see what we can uh, kind of come up with. And we also are very uh, interested in data mining uh, back-tested data. So um, we actually you know, end up finding pretty interesting patterns uh, on a lot of the data, but it's also very difficult to find meaningful data in the space because there's not a lot of providers that actually end up holding, um, you know, larger repositories of data. Um, so that's the aim of split capital as of now. Um, and, you know, hopefully in the future we can get more and more insightful and hopefully share with the community a little bit more. I, uh, I really like this idea that you have a bunch of different traders coming together. You said it's a few, but traders coming together, sharing ideas and kind of all using it to your benefit. 
Uh, I don't know if you've listened to many of my other episodes, but I've been trying to get a lot of the PDF guys on because that's a big trading group and they all have different right. strategies. And uh, one, one of the episodes was just on the benefits of having this trading group. Um, and so I, I think it's super beneficial to anyone out there who's listening who hasn't joined one of these groups. I, I highly suggest finding one uh, so that you can share your strategies and then learn from others as well. Uh, but circling back on kind of your guys' strategy, uh, you mentioned that it was your trading strategy specifically was, um, you know, you started in equities. It was you started looking at, you know, a psychology based system. And then now you're you're kind of doing this data mining and looking at large pieces of data. So I, I kind of just want to dive a little bit deeper into that because you say you interpret the data. Uh, so if you can, can you kind of discuss what you mean by that? And can you give us just like a couple examples? Uh, nothing that's like, you know, your secret sauce at the moment, but maybe some stuff that you've looked at in the past that's no longer working for you. Yeah, so I think, you know, it, it's it's very interesting in this space. We end up seeing trends of, um, you know, kind of flavor of the month analytics, I'd like to call them, um, where basically we have a set amount of people that end up talking about some parameters um, that they find interesting after a little bit of time. So I think the interesting one was maybe a year ago was CME opens and close, um, where there was these big gap fills. Um, and a lot of people were like, oh my God, there's a gap fill. We need to fill it. It needs to, you know, this is going to happen. And, you know, obviously uh, with a lot of hindsight bias, they would be like, oh my God, it worked every time. So it's going to happen again. Um, not understanding exactly, you know, what, you know, why that ends up happening and, and why it has a pretty good strike rate. Um, but nowadays, it seems like people, a lot of people are kind of really attached to the um, idea of open interest or open value. So now it's like a pretty small, like, uh, and for those, you know, listeners that don't know, so open value is basically the amount of uh, Bitcoin that's um, actively being traded at any given moment um, on any exchange. It could be uh, OKX, it could be Bit BitMEX, it could be uh, Hobie. Um, and the open interest is the USD denominated value of the open value. Um, so basically, nowadays, a lot of people are very, very interested in um, understanding, you know, how how much is open at any given time and you know why there's an increase or decrease but now you have people that are really hyper parameterizing looking very very closely um at really really granular levels of of data in terms of open interest and open value and i think that's just almost noise at this point um there's a lot of algo funds in this space that you know constantly are moving money so um it's a little bit different in that regard. Um, so that's one aspect that we were looking at a, a while back that we interpreted in a specific way that uh, ended up working for us. Um, I did share a few times on my own uh, Twitter, uh, you know, just some some movements that I, that I thought were interesting, um, especially after large liquidations. We've seen something like 30, 20, 40% um, decreases or increases in, in uh, open interest. Um, so movements like that are very interesting and obviously they happen um, in periods of high volatility. Um, so that's one piece of you know data that that our team kind of ends up looking at very often. Um, yeah, I think that's a it's a good coverage. I think in in the future it's it's going to be more and more tough because I think people are starting to understand that you know analytics in the space are becoming very very important, um, and it's no longer an easy arbable opportunity you know like it was two years ago. Um, interestingly enough, I think a lot of people are are looking at funding right now as well. Um, I remember you know looking back at the tape. In 2017, on, on in November, you would have gotten paid almost 
eight, 9% risk-free to basically short on BitMEX um, and collect funding. So, you know, those opportunities aren't available anymore. Um, and so, you know, these are kind of the, the, the windows that we end up seeing that are, that are closing a lot faster as more and more people are entering the space and more and more value is being created. So you mentioned, you, know, you mentioned a couple there, you mentioned, you know, CME opens and closes. Those are huge. Uh, open interest has also been, you know, massive lately on Twitter. Uh, and then you talked about funding. Uh, so my, my next question, I guess, cause I want my guests to be able to apply this kind of stuff. And I think when they see these kind of things and how to interpret it on Twitter, it quickly gets flooded. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how, like what you guys are doing to kind of find these new strategies. Can you potentially walk us through like your mindset when looking for, when you're looking through a big data set, you know, what, what are, what are some of the things that you might be looking for to develop a new strategy? Right. I think, um, you know, part of the, part of the, the thing with developing new strategies is kind of understanding how people think in this market. Um, so first of all, understanding people's risk preference and risk profiles in this market, generally you can't apply, you know, traditional, traditional asset, you know, rules to this market, right. Where people have a long, you know, long time frame portfolio, right. 20 year portfolio people in the space, you know, they're, they're, they're willing to go all in on the 50% play that might work out tomorrow and willing to lose everything. Um, so understanding that at first, I think that's, that's. That already kind of you know wipes out a lot of the information um, that you might deem useful in in the space. I think when we look for data in specific, we look for a large time frame. We don't look for small you know samples of data, right? So I think uh, a, you know a really great trader that I would you know totally uh, you know would love to plug is uh, Light Crypto. Um, he has a little lighthouse as his uh, Twitter avatar. Um, very, very, you know, great point the other day that he mentioned that people are looking at, you know, one uh, one bit of funding basically to determine if they should take a long or a short, right? When in reality, that's, you know, very small, uh, you know, sample of data to basically take a position on, right? So we look at things more so in the lens of, you know, what what consistently ends up working out? What what kind of data is actually useful in terms of a long time frame? Um, so I see a lot of people nowadays mentioning that okay, we can't look at you know necessarily one uh, one bit of data, one bit of uh, funding to be basically uh, target a bottom. We need a you know a long maybe two month consolidation period where funding is consistently negative, um, and you know we basically end up having zero volatility, um, and you know Bitmex is trading um, at a huge discount to spot um, to basically signal a bottom. And I don't think, in, even in that regard, I don't think you know that will end up working out because I, I don't imagine our our potential bottom being you know determined by a long period of funding. Um, so I think it's just having a lot of nuance in the data. Um, if anyone could do this space in terms of you know kind of coming in as a machine learning engineer or a data engineer, um, they would have already and they would have made a lot of money. But I don't think that's that's all of the value. I think there's a lot of you know, little nuances that this space has to offer that only can come from, you know, experience and kind of sifting through a lot, a lot of data. I think for anyone that's starting off in this space, I think it would be very, very beneficial to them to kind of parse through, uh, parse through a lot of different data that, that, you know, that is incoming or even read through the contract specifications on BitMEX or OKX or Hobie to basically determine, you know, what am I really trading? What, what am I looking at here? Um, 
there's still misconceptions out there for longs versus shorts on BitMEX. And when in reality, it's a peer-to-peer -peer exchange. So I think that's a better kind of uh, starting point and understanding, you know, what causes deviations in funding, what causes deviations in open interest, open value. Um, I think those points are, are really interesting um, to kind of pick up early on and then, you know, move into the future in terms of understanding, you know, larger amounts of data um, and, you know, which repositories are actually, you know, valid versus which ones are just purely noise. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to, you know, give these, you know, great big tips and have people apply it who don't haven't really worked with data in the past. Uh, but you did mention, you know, kind of just sifting through it, getting a feel for, you know, what this data is actually telling you. Uh, you mentioned another big thing, which is kind of going through and actually understanding what you're trading. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, the people who aren't doing this successfully aren't doing that. Uh, so I, I can't stress that enough. Um, last thing that I want to talk about a little bit more, uh, which I'm actually really interested in myself, is kind of the psychology of trading. Uh, do you still use any of that in your trading now? So yeah, um, totally. I, I I employ a lot of the the, the psychology in, in traditional finance and traditional markets to this space. Um, again, you know, plugging those two books, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, very good book. A Random Walk, very good book um, that I would recommend all traders read. Obviously, you know, I've, I've done this a lot of times before, and I hope people actually read these books because a lot of what you know, a lot of the absurdity that you see in this space can really be seen, you know, a hundred years ago. Another really great book that. Um, that Sue from uh, Three Arrows Capital actually uh, mentioned to me was uh, Where Are the Customers' Yachts? It's a fantastic book to understand, um, you know, kind of bubble psychology. Almost, you know, when I was going through this book the first time, actually, it was hilarious because I was highlighting or underlining every, you know, every paragraph almost, it seemed like, because everything was just so relevant to the space and specific. Um, and, you know, being surrounded by, you know, by finance, it's kind of hard to escape, uh, you know, thinking in, in a very, in a very uh, greedy mindset. But, you know, going back to it, I, what I mentioned earlier was, you know, there's a lot of people in the space that are very eager to preach, um, you know, helpful tips or understanding how to, how to trade this market when in reality they don't employ great, you know, risk management uh, tools or, you know, anything like that in their own day-to-day -day setup. So I think a lot of the trading just has to do with, you know, with, with how you interpret your own trade. Um, one thing that I really recommend when I first started off was I'd hop into trades right after, an, a, you know, a really big one that I'd hold. So if I was in a trade for maybe two weeks um, and, you know, this was a home run or something like that, I'd hop into another trade and instantly give back like 25% of my winning. And the first thing I did when, it, when, when this kind of phenomenon would end up happening is I went back and I was like, okay, as soon as I'm done with a big trade like this, I'm going to you know, take pause for a day or two and really write down my thoughts. Uh, in the summer, I think I I, um, I tweeted out a um, a draft of a memorandum that basically I end up writing every single time I have one of these larger trades to understand you know what my thinking was, what my process was, why I didn't end up actually doing you know great, or if if I did end up doing well, um, you know what actually had happened for me to you know achieve those results. And I think those kinds of little you know twists and turns in terms of the trading really do you know benefit you a lot. Um, Keeping a very neat and tidy book is also very important um, and making, you know, spreadsheets to basically track your own risk limit, track your own, um, you know, position sizing is, is very, very important. Um, and, you know, going back to the risk management aspect of it, I think it's just very important to understand exactly, you know, what your purpose is as a trader in this space.
um, there's a lot of people who who look at like uh, really really big wins in, in quarters from certain traders on on Twitter, and they'll be like, oh my god, I can go and do that on Bitmex, right? You know, let me up the leverage a little bit and up up my reward a little bit. Um, but you end up realizing that you know anyone who's who's still in this market who survived you know more than a two year period, um, people like Light, people like Flood. Um, that do a great job. These guys are taking very, very, you know, small risk positions relative to their size, right? Um, they're not taking these huge swings for the fences every single time. Um, and it's really important to kind of, you know, take a step back and understand that, you know, trading is not a lottery, right? You're not going to end up making, um, you know, many millions in, in in a few weeks on 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 BitMEX. Um, even though it's possible, you know, you have a lot of leverage, but it's just improbable for you to continue doing that well. Um, in the spring, I did really, really well. I I, um, I was hitting almost every trade, just n- knocking it out of the park. And then, you know, as soon as uh, Q3 comes around, I, I didn't end up doing as hot, right? Um, had I, you know, had the terrible risk management in that time period, I would have lost everything that I had gained in uh, Q2 of 2019. Um, but thankfully, you know, through some through some mitigating factors on my own, um, you know, I was able to m- minimize my my actual downside on uh, during Q3. So just understanding movements like that, and even still, you know, and final point on um, really large movements, I think a lot of people end up panicking out of positions um, as soon as you see like a double-digit move in percentages. I think that's exactly when you know you have to be as as clear and as as still to understand, you know, which way the market's moving. If you end up seeing something like a five hundred dollar premium on one exchange over another. That's when you understand that, like, oh my God, you know, people aren't even looking at this. This is my time to shine. Um, whereas, you know, everyone else is just absolutely afraid. They don't want it to take a position, right? Um, historically speaking, if you look back in, in terms of 2008 and the financial crisis, the best time to buy was when everyone was panicking and dumping their uh, dumping their actual holdings, right? Obviously, there's a lot of hindsight em- employed in this, but if you start scaling in, at, at some point, you it's it's a fantastic buy. Um, so just understanding the different, you know, points of this market, right? Like if you end up seeing huge premiums, if you end up seeing huge discounts, if you end up seeing, you know, really large ARB opportunities, chances are those aren't going to stay there for long. And chances are that, you know, that's the position to take. Okay. So, I, I mean, I, I really like what you're saying here because you're so spot on with it. The Your trading strategy is important but your thought process behind it and the way you react to the market is far more important in my opinion. Uh, And you talk about these guys who have kind of outlasted this year and a half long or however long it was, year long bear market and are still successful today. And uh, I think it it really does boil down to kind of your risk limits and managing your risk and then understanding your how you want to be trading and your trading style and what works for you. Um, you talked about one which was huge, which was hopping into a trade immediately after a big win. I feel like a lot of people do that. They're like, okay, I hit this one out of the park. Let me get into another one. Let me get my next win. Uh, another big one for me, which I always, you know, or I used to struggle with a lot, was after one of those huge movements, I would feel like I needed to immediately get into a trade. And I would panic and scramble to get into something and my head wasn't on straight. Uh, I know there are people who thrive under those conditions. That's, you know, what they're looking for. A big move, then they react. It's not for me. Uh, And I I think just being in the market long enough, trading long enough, you really start to understand 
how and why you're trading yourself. Uh, so I really appreciate that. Um, now moving forward, because you've talked about a lot here, you've talked about kind of where you've come from, who you are as a trader, your trading strategy, uh, you've given a couple tips for us. Do you think you can talk to us about what you're most excited for in the coming 12 months? Yeah, so, um, you know, personally, I, I you know, thankfully, I've, I've been able to build a network in the space um, on a professional level in terms of, you know, reaching out to actual companies in the space. Um, so I've, you know, I've been able to, to have friends in, you know, different funds, different groups and uh, analytics companies and things like that. So um, I'm really excited for a lot of the products that, that these guys have coming out. Um, you know, I, I think companies like Delphi, really exciting guys, um, companies like uh, Fidelity's digital assets team, um, they're doing a lot of really great work. Um, Coinbase is doing a lot of really exciting work. Um, so just kind of seeing how the space ends up maturing. Uh, in my thesis, I believe now almost a year ago, um, I was talking to a good friend of mine, uh, XC, he's on Twitter. I believe his at is at run their stocks. Um, very good trader as well. Um, I was I was talking to him in DMs about a year ago, basically about how the space would transform maybe in the next two, three years um, and how the bet has to be right now. So my bet on this space is that if this space is going to be anything in the next, you know, in the next couple of years, couple of decades, then it has to happen now. All of the institutions that, that you know, people have been asking for are here. All of the different, you know, uh, any type of excitement that exists in the space is here now. So, you know, and, and there's the whole having thing and, you know, a lot of people are very excited about, you know, different projects that are coming online. So if there's anything in this space that needs to end up happening in terms of a timeline, it has to be now. I don't imagine a scenario where we end up having a bear market until 2021, 2022, as people say, and then we just kind of go parabolic. Um, I think it happens in the next 12 months and I think it happens sooner rather than later. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of differences now than it, there was you know, even a year ago in terms of how the space has matured. I think there's just been a lot more interest by, you know, mainstream. Um, a lot of people have been able to kind of come into this market and understand that, like, you know, maybe maybe smart contracts, maybe, you know, uh, different tokens weren't going to consume the world. But, you know, there's a lot of value in basically having a decentralized system in finance. Um, so I think those are the things that I'm really excited about. I'm really excited for a lot of U.S.-based funds that are generally very conservative. Um, U.S. funds are not very excited to to kind of move into very risky assets, but um, a lot of U.S. funds are very interested in, in kind of starting to invest in crypto, um, especially um, you know small family offices, you know people like that. Um, very very exciting in that in that regard. I think Fidelity is doing a fantastic job, and hopefully you know Coinbase can secure some more. Uh, people under their custody unit um, and, you know, seeing great things for the future. I think the piece, I wrote a little bit about this as well. The piece on, um, on Grayscale's um, Bitcoin trust is very interesting as well. You know, we almost have the fourth largest equity holding by percentage of, uh, of its specific generation for the millennials was, uh, you know, the, the Grayscale Bitcoin trust. So that's, you know, that's a huge, huge, huge move. Um, basically signaling that, you know, to banks, to large financial institutions that, hey, there's a lot of people that are very interested in this space. Um, and as future generations come around and as millennials and Gen Z ends up making more and more money, that's where they want to invest their money, right? So now State Street, you know, PIMCO, BlackRock have to start looking at, okay, how do we build more financial products and, you know, hopefully go to bat 
basically uh, against regular uh, regulate uh, regulators to basically end up, you know, securing the space to being a legitimate asset class in the future. Um, and, you know, there's also a lot of excitement. You know, I'm talking so much about this, but there's also a lot of excitement in terms of um, different exchanges and different products that are coming online in terms of derivatives. I believe uh, CME's um, options are going live in January. And then I believe BACT's options are going live tomorrow, um, you know, uh, December 9th. So that's very, very exciting. Um, and as we see more and more people, you know, get, getting the ability to trade this in a traditional realm, um, I think there'll be a lot more exposure. So I'm very, very bullish in terms of uh, Bitcoin and, and the space as a whole in the next uh, 12 to 16 months. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It really does feel like we are on the cusp of something. I know price has been up. It's been down. We went from 14K to the sixes. Um, but I, I think if you take a step back and look at all of the institutions and you know the general landscape as a whole, uh, you can see that interest is building, work's being put in, people are preparing for this next boom. And I think we have similar mindsets where I, I think we are on the cusp of something very bullish versus bearish. Uh, so I, I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more interest in it soon. And it's hard because, you know, everyone on Twitter, for the most part, is depressed over it. They've capitulated in some sense. Uh, but I think we're so close, and I don't think people see that. Uh, one other thing, anything big for, or are you excited for anything with Split Capital? You didn't mention anything about yourself. It was just the general landscape, but I want to know if you've got anything exciting going on. Yeah, I think just, you know, further R&D at this point. Um, you know, I, I did want to talk about one more thing that I was excited about with the landscape, actually. Um, just a general pointer really quick, um, and then I'll hop back to that question. I was going to mention that, you know, I think in this space, there's just a lot of a lot of people that are dissociated from from both worlds. Right. So you end up kind of seeing I like to call them the suit and tie of crypto that ends up not understanding what, you know, day traders and, you know, the different crypto Twitter accounts that are out there. You know, they don't really understand, like the day to day pain that they end up looking at. Right. Like you could ask anyone on crypto Twitter and they can tell you the price of Bitcoin what it was 20 minutes ago, what it's, you know, what it is right now. And then if you ask someone that works at one of these companies, they'll be like, oh, I didn't check until like, you know, today, the last time I checked was two weeks ago. So there's a lot of, you know, I would say dissociation between these two groups. And I think um, what's really benefited me is kind of getting a, a good grasp of how the uh, more traditional side of crypto ends up, you know, looking at the space. And I think in that regard, even though price was severely depressed, right, we, we had these like constant move down to like 7.4 um, the first time around, and then we rallied back up to 10k. Um, during that time, I you know I was talking to some to, to some investment advisors and things like that, and these people couldn't have been more bullish. This isn't to deal hopium or anything like that, but it's just to to show that there's a lot of people who don't look at you know immediate price action to determine whether a space is in, worth investing for the next three to you know three to five years. Um, great, you know. Uh, Great case of that is Jeff Bezos on Amazon during the dot-com bubble. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who, especially on 60 Minutes, they were giving him a lot of crap for basically, you know, his company was being a huge flop and all this stuff. And he's just like, I don't care. I see this 20-year vision and I see this company being, you know, the future of the internet. And here we are 20 years later, right? Obviously with a lot of hindsight bias, um, basically with Jeff Bezos as king of the universe. Um, so I think... You know, that's a general point that I wanted to make to, to a lot of the traders in this space to, you know, make sure that they understand that 
immediate price action is not necessarily the only thing that investors in the space look at. They look at it at a, you know, as a very long-term uh, investment, as with any investment, um, as opposed to a day-to-day trade that they, you know, let me scalp the 15-minute EMA cross, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not even traders, though. I feel like a lot of people who are invested in cryptocurrencies specifically are very short-minded they because the markets are running 24 7 it feels like there's just so much going on at any given point right i think you know in in the last six months we've had so many different things happen like i couldn't even mention you know the fifty thousand different things that have happened to bitcoin with the industry uh and so it it feels like a lot longer so I, i think people you know they they can't look 5 10 15 20 years down the road which is what you're supposed to be doing with you know your investments uh so I, you're completely right on the fact that there's kind of this divide and separation between these people on crypto twitter and you know these traditional investors right yeah i i think it's just you know it it just helps to zoom out a little bit i remember i had I had a few friends that did really well in the chop last year um, you know, we had almost like zero volatility for something like two months um, last year. And, you know, during that time, these guys, you know, developed a great skill set to basically trade that. And then as soon as price started ripping, they lost almost everything. Um, so I think there's just something to be said about, you know, zooming in too much. And to go back to your last point, um, for anything that I'm excited for, for split capital, uh, I'm just, you know, excited, excited to see the space grow, um, you know, building out my, my network personally and um, you know, hopefully having the opportunity to do more, you know, conversations like these. Um, I'm also very interested in, you know, basically trying to uh, just research and, and develop further, you know, sort of analytics and uh, generate <laughs> better returns in the future. Um, we're very excited, you know, um, my team and I to basically just see what we can build out with this space in specific and see how long it can last. Um, I mean, you know, obviously no no market is finite. Um, and you know, your edge can always disappear, but we're very excited to, you know, continue working. Um, hopefully you guys see some more, uh, news come out about split capital in the, you know, next three to six months and, um, some interesting stuff hopefully will come out during that time. I don't want to give up, you know, give away too much, but, um, stay tuned. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's always hard for me because I'm like, you know, tell, talk to us about your future. You're like, ah, it's under wraps. So it's, it's good to know that you do have stuff in the pipeline, I'm excited to see what you guys are going to be putting out. I really like that you're talking about the fact that you are constantly trying to improve, constantly trying to do better. I feel like a lot of people have gotten comfortable in this industry and in this space. They stop building, they stop learning. Uh, That's kind of why I'm here. I want to push this information out, get people excited again, get them learning again, picking up new skills, that sort of thing, uh, so that they can make more money and be successful in this industry which we both see as an industry that's going to be around for a long time and that is going to have massive growth. So thank you for that. Uh, before we end, I always like to get you know the biggest tip that you've got. So for, for traders out there, what's your number one tip for them? And then a second part of that is I always like to ask for book recommendations. You threw out three of them already, Thinking Fast and Slow, Random Walk Down Wall Street, and then... Uh, the third one was where all the customers yachts, if I'm correct in that one. Right. Um, if you've got any more as well, throw those in. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to give out, if I give, it's going to be like a list of like 30 books. Almost. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot Scrap of. Scrap them. Yeah. Let's, let, let's go with those three books. 
what about just your <laughs> biggest tip for traders? Yeah, I mean, re really quick, I would really recommend uh, Nassim Taleb's uh, Incerto, which is, I think, three or four of his books, um, really fantastic books on risk. Um, and I think the, the biggest tip I would have for, for traders is dream big in this space and really understand that you can do very, very well for yourself. But understand that, you know, especially in a 24-hour market, you're competing against people constantly. Um, if you want to, you know, achieve that really, really big kind of, you know, trading dream um, past, you know, a, a small investment, you have to be iterating constantly. You can't be, you know, oh, to, you know, today I don't feel like it or I'll take this week off. I'll be on next week. You know, during that time, someone else could be working harder than you. Um, and, you know, edges in the space don't last that long. Um, so just constantly be iterating and really, really try to, you know, manage your risk. As soon as you get a larger bankroll in the space, you end up realizing that you can't be playing around with, you know, stupid amounts of leverage because liquidity isn't that great and slippage will end up, you know, eating up a lot of a large chunk of your profits. So really just work on, you know, risk management and constantly iterating. Um, I was also just going to mention, you know, uh, big shout out to, to a few of my friends, if that's okay with you, Charles. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I, I always like to say, you know, go follow these people. I was obviously going to have your Twitter handle. If you have anyone else that is in the industry, please shout them out now. Sure thing. Yeah. Um, big shout out to Flood. Um, learned a lot from Flood. He's a fantastic trader. He posts on Twitter very often, um, as well as um, Light Crypto. Fantastic trader as well. Uh, Crypto Ray also gives some great commentary, um, as well as uh, XC, Think Wait Fast, Hasaka. These are all, you know, very common names now in the space. Um, SM as well. Very. These guys are all fantastic traders and um, they do a fantastic job. Also, uh, Thinking Bitmex, which is Chimpsu, fantastic trader as well. Really, really sharp guy. Um, these guys have been, you know, very uh, influential in my kind of... Um, time in crypto they've given me a lot to think about and we talk very often so these guys are fantastic people to follow um there's not a lot of noise with any of them so just you know make sure to go and give them some love and follow them on their space and stuff yeah yeah i i uh i can back that up myself i follow a lot of these guys and you're right it's very no nonsense they post their trades they post their setups their thought processes it's very helpful if you're trying to make a name for yourself on Twitter and as a trader. I think it's key that you follow these guys. Uh, so I really appreciate you shouting those guys out. And then last thing I do want to just bring up, uh, you know, you started with just dream big, uh, which I, I kind of wanted to drill you a little bit more on, but then you kind of went into, you know, your reasoning behind that and how you can make that a reality, which is, you know, really managing your risk. Um, and not taking, you know, a week off. It's being very consistent. So I appreciate that as well. And I think that pretty much wraps up the episode. Is there anything else that you wanted my audience to know before we go? Yeah, I mean, just the last point, you know, thank you again, Charles, for having me. I think of course. just constantly just, you know, work in this space. And um, there's a lot of camaraderie that can end up happening in this space. And I think, um, you know, that's going to be very, very uh, important in the future. Um, I've never seen anyone in the space scam and end up, you know, not and you know hurting their own reputation in the future. It's never worth it. So just be very wary of who you guys you know associate yourselves with. Um, Lord knows I've had that you know that same trouble in terms of people that I've you know found uh, very quickly in the space. Um, so just you know keep your 
keep your cards close to the chest somewhat and you know just be be willing to to you know help build and develop the space in the future um very exciting things happening and you know make sure to you know check out charles podcast in the future as well he's you know he does a fantastic job gets great guests um you know and, and give him a lot of love too thank you very much man i really appreciate that endorsement i'm trying my best out here uh, and I really like that last point. Uh, there's sort of this camaraderie on Twitter, like you were saying, and in this industry. Um, and if you build and grow with these people now, uh, it will be, you know, the returns will be exponential in the future, uh, which is, you know, one of the things that I love about this podcast. I have people on, we get to talk about their story and a relationship is either started or strengthened uh, and we can leverage each other in the future. So great last point. I really appreciate it. And again, I want to thank you so much for coming on uh, and taking the time to walk through kind of your trading strategy and giving my audience these tips. So thank you very much, man. Thanks for having me.